welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have here with me, as always, our co-host, Grant McGallier. Grant, how are you? Parker, I'm riding high. I'm the Fantasy Football League champion. Uh, my my winnings just hit my Venmo, and uh, I'm, I'm celebrating, man. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm very proud of you. Um, you you Thank really you. galvanized your players and, and kind of optimized for success. So, um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm in. I'm in uh, Memphis visiting the uh, visiting the family. Um, I will apologize up front. I sound terrible this evening uh, because I have brought zero podcasting equipment with me. So I am speaking into an iPhone headphone like some kind of barbarian. So, uh, you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna ride through that and, and deal with it. I'm also though. Um, I've got to say, I'm also riding high a little bit, celebrating. Uh, Grant, I don't know if you're familiar with this term, so I might explain it. But uh, when it comes to bowl picks against the spread, uh, mm-hmm. I, this is a very technical phrase, so pay attention here. Uh, your boy's on a heater. Ooh. Okay. Uh, just, again, they're G5, G5 matchups. Most of them are pretty obvious, but uh, somebody's somebody's taking home some dollars uh, with some of these bowl picks this week. So I felt pretty good about how well things are holding up, especially with kind of like the interconference stuff. Well, I, I tailed you uh, yesterday um, and I wound up $23 ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, so Louisiana kind of screwed me. Did, did you have a, uh, oh gosh, who'd they play? Um, so I did, but I didn't think so. This one sucks. And this okay. is why this offseason. Yeah, UTSA. Yeah, because in my mind, I posted that and saw, oh, Louisiana by 14. Sure. But the line was 14, five, the line I saw. And I had Louisiana mm-hmm. at 14, two. Okay. Actually, 14.15. Uh, so that is that is technically not covering. So that one kind of sneaks in. That one's a little that one's a little ticky tacky. Um, and, I, and I think if I had just picked with my heart, I would have followed Louisiana. But, you know, following the numbers and staying staying true to them. Uh, I had a I had a, uh, a UTSA cover there. Nice. Okay. That that coastal and and we're going to talk about Arkansas a little bit later, but let's talk bowls a little bit um, because yeah. they've been really fun. Um, Parker, Liberty Coastal Carolina was a heck of a game. I enjoyed it immensely, um, and I will say that has no bearing on whether it was right for Coastal no. to be put in that game. I think I saw a lot of really stupid takes by some people who evidently like really hate football. Um, that were like, see this, see, see, you wanted them to be in the playoff. And it's like, no, this is not, this is completely after the fact justification. This is not what matters uh, when we're talking about who should be in the playoff. Like the question is, I, I posted, I did a little rant on Twitter about this, but it's like, did their resume justify a path to compete for the national championship? Yes. Should an yes. undefeated, undefeated conference champion with two top 25 wins, should they at least be in the new year six? Yes. I feel uh, extremely comfortable saying uh, unequivocal yes to both of those. So all that to say, we can rehash that over and over again. Uh, that, that was a pretty great game. Um, but man, uh, he, here's kind of my theory about that is like Hugh Freeze is a really good coach baggage aside. Yeah, he is. And nobody had more time or more film uh, to prepare for coastal Carolina than, than Liberty did. And it was evident that he kind of figured out what they were going to do to the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I really think, or excuse me, excuse me, uh, what, what they were going to do to the defense. Um, because I think that's really where it came through. It was like, they were just able to stifle the offense, deal with the counter punch that kind of fell through at the end, but they really, really able to just kind of attack that coastal Carolina defense, which is the weak point. So uh, I props to them for preparation. I mean, that was just wild. Like the whole end, thing where it was yeah i mean the whole the whole end game situation there was just uh, just insane it was nuts uh, it, i have to get in one of my favorite latin phrases uh post hoc ergo propter hoc uh noted logical fallacy uh, you don't, don't know latin, latin. you just watched the west wing that one time no i've been <laughs> no uh, i've been reading soren kierkegaard uh and he slips those in every now and then um no uh yeah it, it's not yeah coastal deserve to be there the one thing that does give me pause is, as you said, Hugh Freeze, a good coach, had time to sort of dissect the Coastal Carolina defense, and then his coordinators had time to sort of note what Coastal was doing and at least formulate a plan to stop it. I wonder 
while I love that Coastal and BYU were able to play, and Coastal beating BYU was a feather in Coastal's cap, I wonder if BYU had had more time how that game would have turned out. And again, that is not a knock on Coastal. It's not a reason they shouldn't have been in the playoff, but I wonder if BYU had had a full week or all that, how that game would have worked. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I jokingly at one point have, have said this season that like 95% of Coastal's offense is just opposing teams saying, wait, what the hell is going on here? Right. And right. when you don't have to ask what the hell is going on here, it's a lot easier to target. So um, for sure. Overall, um, overall, uh, just a really fun game. Really, really talented. Hugh Freeze kind of has that island of misfit SEC talent there where he's just, you know, gotten some guys who didn't fit in elsewhere to come buy in and 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 clearly had something humming uh, at Liberty. So it'll be interesting to see who continues to schedule them. I had five different um, inappropriate jokes I wanted to make over the course of that, and somehow I stopped from doing all of them. So you are welcome. Um, okay, I'm just biting my tongue. Do you want to do, do you want to look behind or ahead uh, for bowl season? Are there any more games that have been played that you want to talk about before we look ahead? Yeah, I was kind of shocked that BYU laid the wood on UCF. Uh, BYU was good, man. Twenty-three, just lights out. Uh, different, different level. Clearly, something to prove. So that one was pretty crazy. Um, Marshall, Marshall Buffalo was like a last, last minute cover, which is always fun. Um, and so that one was pretty entertaining as well. But yeah, on the whole, I don't think we've seen very much good football outside of BYU and Liberty Coastal. But it's been fun football. I mean, it's been, it's been football. So I've, I've enjoyed that. It's been really fun. Hawaii Houston was fun. Um, yeah. It wasn't good. It was very sloppy, but it was fun. That was like a college uh, basketball game, man. Game of runs. It, <laughs> football is a game of runs. And uh, it was the New Mexico Bowl played in Frisco, Texas, uh, which. Okay. I, I can say this as a lifelong Texan and someone who lived in the DFW area for a while. I don't know if there's a destination in the country for a bowl game i would like to go to less than frisco yeah and I, somehow they're getting like three bowls this year yeah i mean they've got the nice stadium and you know i think we talked about this when it looked like tcu might get stuck in something like yeah. that and i can take off my tcu fan glasses and say nope frisco still objectively terrible imagine imagine you're in hawaii i mean this happens with every ball every year yeah right? you play in you play in hawaii and they say, hey, you did such a good job this year. You get to go to Frisco, Texas. Well, imagine, okay, like the, like, I'm trying to think, the Hawaii Bowl was canceled. So, yeah, so Hawaii gets to go to, to Frisco. But like Houston played in this bowl game. Albuquerque at least is fun. I think there's hot air balloons normally. You know, you can go do that. But Houston drives four hours up the road just to another suburb. Yep. Yep. That stinks. It does. That stinks out loud. It does. I mean, it's oh, not the Crampton Bowl, but it's it's still bad. I did think it was funny that like during all the cutscenes, they did show like the the balloons in the downtown Albuquerque, and like they kept all their stock photos of, of New Mexico <laughs> for the bowl, which I thought was really funny. And I like that too. Like, give New Mexico props. They they sponsored a bowl game. They should get the 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 coverage. And what again? What are you going to show in Frisco? Like an Olive Garden next to an Outback Steakhouse. It's not – there's nothing really to show. Hey, man, um, they don't have Outback up there. They have salt grass, all right? That's true. That, they're a little too bougie. Uh, Texas Roadhouse, if you if it's a date night. <laughs> uh, okay, l- l- let's look ahead a little bit. Uh, no bowl games uh, tomorrow, today, whenever you're listening to this on December 28th. Um, but December 29th, uh, shout out my sister. It's her birthday. Two really good games, I think, both involving Big 12 teams. Oklahoma State, Miami, and the Camping World uh, – or, excuse me, the Cheez-It Bowl in Camping World Stadium. And Texas, Colorado in the Alamo Bowl. Should be fun. Yeah, I think both of those will be really interesting. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma State, Miami is probably one of the better bowls in terms of matchups. Yeah. Uh, you know, provided that enough people play from both sides, which it sounds like they're going to. Um, I, I do think Miami should be able to take that handily just off the cuff. Who knows what the numbers will say um, given their kind of offensive prowess, but uh, man. Yeah. And, and that Alamo bowl looks to be two hardy teams. Like I thought, I thought Colorado was going to be a mess because I thought they made a weird hire this off season, but looks like he's kind of knows how to get things running. And they, they gave USC some trouble and in the, in the pack 12. And, and I think that, uh, 
uh, I mean, again, I think Texas should win that game handily and kind of what I hope is Sam Ellinger's last ride. But um, I think both of those will be immensely watchable. On the counterpoint, Sam Ellinger has been regressing for the last two years. So if he starts again for Texas, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I mean, a man's body can only withstand so yeah, much. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I want yeah. him to be healthy. But yeah, it, anyway. Um, so that's on the 29th. Uh, 30th. I mean, well, you know what? We don't have to go day by day, but the 30th does has uh, does have Oklahoma, Florida in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not going to sit here on this good Christian podcast and talk about Wake Forest in Wisconsin. Jesus. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my aunt used to work for uh, for Wake Forest. Chris NC State now. Gosh, I'm yeah. trying to remember where I saw this. Maybe this was in Bill Conley's 50 Best Teens book or whatever, but there was a Wake Forest player – like their best player of like the 1960s or whatever was recruited there because uh, a player went and picked him up from the airport, took him to Duke's campus and stadium, walked this evidently very, very dumb person around Duke's stadium and his campus and was like, this is where you'll play. And the guy said, sign me up, signed up for Wake Forest and showed up to camp. And they were like, oh yeah, we play at Duke every other year. And that's how Wake Forest got their best uh, recruit ever. I'm biting my tongue heavily because Duke's campus is a abomination unto the Lord. It is faux gothic architecture, and Wallace Wade Stadium is a cesspool. But but good for that kid. I'm it glad he enjoyed it. In, it could have been new in 1960 or whatever. Um, like also, the Rice that, Bowl. Yeah. as with most most college football stories, that that never happened. Uh, like zero, no, but it is funny. Chance. Yeah, but it is funny. Yeah. Uh, um, no, I mean, yeah. Cotton Bowl, I wanted this to be A&M, Oklahoma, but I will settle for Florida, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will too. I think uh, Florida's uh, – you always have to do this dumb question, how much do they care about this game? Yeah. But I think Florida, Oklahoma is a really interesting mix of styles, and I'm curious to see if Oklahoma's defense can stop uh, Kyle Trask. Uh, and is Kyle Pitts playing? I don't know. If, I don't think he's opted out but maybe he hasn't seen an official word yet okay anyway I, i'm just excited to see I mean, and they there are other uh, oh he did opt out yeah he declared for the draft and opted out so but florida does have other really really talented guys and um i think it's gonna be a good game and maybe someone will throw a shoe you know yeah Who knows? i mean something crazy i mean look man you get the hotheads on florida's defense and brandon radley hines and a, and a pressure cooker man who knows what's gonna happen there could be fireworks all over the place so what, well, Very true. what I thought about this, but I don't think Hines is starting anymore. But um, what, I, what I did think was like wh- when I saw this matchup for the first time, I thought, man, Brendan Radley Hines is going to have a real bad day because what Florida loves to do is they love to line up in 10 personnel where you have one receiver or one running back and no tight ends and everybody else's receiver. And they love to motion that receiver out to the strong side. I guess it becomes the strong side when the receiver goes out there. And so they're like, oh, yes, we have. Uh, you know, a really fast receiver on like a linebacker and we're just going to ruin his day. And that was going to be Radley Hines' role uh, was getting his day ruined, but he, I don't think he'll, he doesn't start. So we'll see how that works out. Which is a real shame. Uh, missing out some good content there. Um, the next day, uh, the Lockheed Martin on forces bowl was just saying, it makes me laugh every time. Tulsa Mississippi state should be entertaining as should West Virginia army kind of clashes of styles there. Oh, I think both of those are going to be blowouts. Un- really nigh, nigh unwatchable so i'm guessing tulsa and army yes okay okay because i think that uh the first one i think is obvious but the the, yeah, the west virginia army game i think uh if i'm neil brown uh with as young a team i have i'm not sure that i'm wasting time actually learning to defend the triple in these bowl practices Okay. Um, yeah, I get so you. So I, I, I could just see that death by a thousand cuts. Army just kind of takes care of West Virginia. And then with well, the problem is like West Virginia really can't score. I, I posted a really weird graph today that was like, who has the lowest percentage of uh, points on offense versus defense and special teams. And West Virginia was like the, by and large, the, 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 the least percentage of their scoring came from offense. And I mean, against Army, they're going to shorten the game. They're going to be really efficient. They're going to move the ball. Uh, West Virginia has a good defense, but if you can't score and you have limited opportunities, it's a recipe for disaster. 
Yeah, I just have a hard time picturing Army blowing anyone out just because, like you said, it's death by a thousand paper cuts, and the games they play are so short that I don't know if they'll be able to like put a whooping. Yeah, so, yeah. As far as like the, the score line on West Virginia, I mean, you, they can definitely side. put a whooping, but yeah, yeah for yeah. sure, for sure. Um, okay, do you want to talk about the playoff real quick before we get into uh, the main event here, TCU Arkansas? Yeah, uh, the playoff sucks, and neither of these games are going to be fun at all. Right. So Alabama comes it again. I think so. I could see a world where Ohio State has. I mean, basically, when you start to talk about like, okay, so so when I start to look at a football game and like break it down, I start to think about talent disparity and think, okay, where are these guys really strong and where are they really weak and kind of who, who, who trumps who there? Um, are there any obvious talent imbalances? Right. So in the absence of talent imbalances though, you, you got to start talking about like just what matters and quarterback. I think uh, Trevor Lawrence is, is, is ahead above Justin Fields in terms of literally Trevor Lawrence is six, six. That's yeah. true. Uh, and then two, uh, but, but what I could see is like Clemson has had a couple receiving type guys get into um, positions where they can make these outside plays, but they don't have that like dynamic outside threat that they've had in the past mm-hmm. years. Uh, Ohio state does in Chris Olave, Olave. I've only seen it written. I'm a moron. Um, and, and so I could see a world where they can figure out how to get him the ball and their two edge threats. I think it's him and maybe woods is the other guy. Maybe I have that off. Yeah, I think that's all right. Um, but they have they have two guys that just like are dynamic edge threats. And so if talent everywhere else is equal, which more or less it is, I don't know that anyone has like a generational talent um, kind of outside of like Lawrence and Fields on both sides. You know, there's not like a Chase Young in this game. There's not a Cleveland Farrell. Um, and so if everything else is more or less constant, then you start to look at like, okay, well, maybe I could see a world where the outside talent in Ohio State is so good that they could they could have a path to victory. But I really think Clemson should handle them well. They kind of looked like um, – they looked bored beating the shit out of Notre Dame. Uh, and so yeah. I, I think they could do that again. Um, and then Alabama-Notre Dame, I, again, I think Notre Dame is going to come try and man ball. And I think Nick Saban is just so interested in the um, – uh, again, I'm going to use a technical term – in the pissing match that college football used to be like seven, seven years ago that he's going to be like, Brian Kelly, if you would like to run the ball 19 times in a row – I'm going to let you. That was fine. You can do that. We're going to pass and score 17 times in that in that span. Uh, and and so I think this will actually be. I think this game's more interesting than Ohio State Clemson because I do think it'll kind of be the definitive passing of the guard. Like if Saban comes out and they win like 45 to three, it, uh, passing of the guard not not of coaches, but saying like, okay, the old way of football it actually doesn't work. Like even if you have the five star talent. You cannot just manball somebody. You've got to finesse this. Well, but I, I would argue there that we've seen that already. I mean, Alabama, I wouldn't say struggled, but Alabama hit that kind of stride. But they're like, look, we need to open up the offense because it's not working. We can't have, you know, Blake Sims back there at quarterback. We need to have actual quarterbacks and guys that can throw the ball and receivers that can go and catch it. Right. And like with Sarkeesian there now, Kiffin being there in the past, They've opened up the offense already, and I think we've kind of seen that revolution happen. Yes, and I, I just say I would I, maybe I should say more 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 uh, accurately. This will be like the definitive chapter. Okay, I'm fine with that. I, I, I'm glad it comes against Notre Dame. Um, I should also say too. I agree with what you said about Ohio State and Clemson. Uh, not this year because he's not getting a lot of playing time. Be on the lookout for Jackson Smith. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Uh, Injigba. Uh, he is from Rockwall. Uh, in Texas, and he is the best wide receiver in the history of Texas. Um, the guy's insane. He's absolutely insane. Interesting. He is like, it, I Parker. I can't tell you how incredible this wide receiver is. Um, next year, when he plays for Ohio State, he's going to catch all the touchdowns. The guy's unreal. Um, so keep well, that in mind. Yeah. Uh, their, their quarterback will be somebody other than Justin Fields. So presumably they'll be able to throw it to more than one receiver. So we won't catch all the touchdowns like we would have this year. You're right. You're right. We'll catch right. a lot of them. Yeah. He will catch some touchdowns. Very interesting. Um, okay. Let's talk about the Texas Bowl. Parker, before we do brief trivia, it is the Mercari Texas Bowl. Parker, what is Mercari? I have seen an ad for Mercari and I vaguely remember it. I'm I, okay. My, my heart is telling me it's some kind of cruise line, but my brain is telling me that it's some kind of um, 
like online mercari sounds like some kind of like banking or weird shopping thing secondhand shopping final answer okay it, you're, you're you're mostly right it is a japanese e-commerce country founded in 2013 which allows users to buy and sell items quickly from their smartphones uh, so there you go Bingo. honestly i'm i'm doubly right because theoretically you could buy a cruise on mercari <laughs> Could you buy? Could you buy the ship or just or just the trip on the? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it doesn't say you can't buy a cruise line. Um, so a natural sponsor for the Texas Bowl and NRG Stadium in Houston. Um, Wait, can I can GCU I jump, can I jump in yeah. here just because it's, it's yeah. the postseason and um, yeah. there used to be and it still might be on this great great show on AM radio in the DFW area called Trade Fair. Are you familiar with this? I don't listen to the radio. Somebody told me about this in college and I tuned my radio station to AM, whatever it was, and just left it there forever. Because from like 9 a.m. to 1130 every morning, this old boy would get on the radio and he's just real country dude. And he would just call in and people would say, hey, I've got, you know, six tractor tires. I just changed, bought some new ones. They're still in really good condition. I'll give them to somebody. I'm looking for chickens or a goat. And they leave their and 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 they leave their information with the with the host, and then they'd get off the air, and then someone would call in and be like, "Hey, I want to talk to that guy looking for chickens. Would he accept a pig? Because I need some tractor tilers." And they would like they, this guy would just like facilitate these very inefficient but very hilarious um, interactions and these sales from these you know people who are just like, "Hey, I've got stuff. I need to trade it. Whatever." And the best part is that like every so often. It's not that he would get bored, but just to spice things up, he'd answer it and be like, well, hello, this is Lavelle's tire, uh, tire care and hair care uh, salon. And the person would be like, oh, I was trying to, uh, I was trying to get Cliff at, at trade fair. And he would say, oh no, you're good. And they would just go on. Like, that's all he would do is just like say something weird. Uh, a, a great AM show, the precursor for Mercari. All I'm saying is trade fair should be the sponsor for the Texas. Uh, <laughs> is that how you spent your, is that how you sp- spent your spare time in college no you're just like driving around it's on the radio man i don't know i used to listen to the jim rome show when i was a kid that was a americana sure <laughs> shout out trade fair uh, a, a radio farmer's market you don't see a lot of those um tcu plays arkansas parker i'll give you the 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 uh, low level statistics and you can add the high level they are three and seven uh their best win of the season Ole Miss, 33-21. I don't count Tennessee as a good team, so that win does account. But they did end the year on a four-game losing streak, which was at times uh, interesting and at times blowouts. They lost to Florida 63-35, LSU 27-24, Missouri 50-48 in what might have been like low-key the game of the year. I rewatched that earlier today and then just got their brains beat in by Alabama 52-3. An interesting team with a – coach and Sam Pittman that I think has potential and a staff that includes Kendall Bryles, who we will talk about a little bit later. Uh, but tell me what you think about the, the Razorbacks here, Parker. Yeah. So, so full disclaimer, family is uh, Razorback fans. My younger brother is, uh, is a current student and uh, we've mm. been, we've been Razorback fans since the Houston nut years, unfortunately, and before. Um, so I've followed them actually pretty closely. Uh, I will say they got kind of jobbed with this COVID rescheduling because their first game was Georgia and then they yep. had to play Florida as well. So they, they sneakily got the, the, the most difficult um, schedule just out of, out of anybody, which is pretty rough. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're 75th in EPA margin. Uh, they, their expected record is five and five. The LSU and the Auburn game both involved um, kind of uh, questionable calls at the end that kind of that kind of move things around and then that Missouri game they were up and and kind of lost and back and forth and had some shots and just couldn't do it so um yeah I think I think it's a really interesting team because they are kind of uh offensive first but they do have some defensive talent I'm going to start off the bat and say about the defense because I've seen this in a couple articles already and I think it's it's indicative of not really following a team which is really hard to do but like so many people talk about Arkansas's interceptions and how prone to interceptions they are. And their defense has sticky fingers. And six of their interceptions came in that Ole Miss game against Matt Coral. Um, yeah. And and so they had 13 on the season. And so you're talking about six in in one game and then, and then just uh, seven in the other nine, which is like still 
good, but it's not anywhere near kind of this astronomical more than an interception a game, you know, kind of reputation. So, so that starting out, I think is they have talent on defense, uh, but they're not, they're not as good as you might seem at the first blush. It's the Texas tech thing, right? It's like, Oh, they pick off so many passes. Like, well, maybe they had like one good game where they picked off a bunch and also like interceptions are mostly luck. And can they do it again next year? Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. It, so I guess, not, I guess yeah. organically we could talk about the defense just cause I kind of started there, but sure. Can I tell you who frightens me tremendously? Uh, Oh gosh. I wrote his name down. Hold on. I'm sorry. Um, Number 13, Julius Coates, is a monster. He's 6'6", yeah. 281, plays end, and the man looks like uh, he's playing a different game than other people. He frightens me. Yeah, 14 total pressures, two sacks, 17 tackles, and he's only played like 250 snaps. So yeah. really, really, um, really, really effective. He is worrisome, Grant, I think kind of in tandem with Jonathan Marshall, who has 29 mm-hmm. total pressures, 22 stops. Uh, Jonathan Marshall plays the interior line. And so you see that many pressures from an interior lineman and you get very worried. Right. And so you think mm-hmm. about what is TCU's biggest weakness this year? Uh, it's the offensive line and they have got some, you know, what, what some people might saw, call some positive momentum going, but they really haven't played very many um, good pass rushers the last couple of games. And they're about to face two, two pretty outstanding pass rushers, one from the end, one from the interior. I, I foresee them being disruptive on kind of these long developing routes that TCU is going to uh, insist on, insist on throughout. Yeah. Did you ever see Sherlock on BBC? Sherlock on BBC. Does that have Bilbo in it? Y- yes. Okay. That helps you. <laughs> so did you, see, so did you see it or no? Uh, I think my roommate, um, watched a couple episodes i'm not familiar okay there's there's an episode where one of the villains is is a guy they call the golem uh and he's just this big like lanky dude with huge hands that like strangles people anyway uh when i watched uh julius Coates play i was like that dude is the golem he is terrifying and i i I don't want him near uh my beautiful boy max duggan in any capacity but i think we'll get there i mean tc last last week or i guess last game uh, handled Milton Williams pretty pretty well. Um, was able yeah, to but I think they could focus. Him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think they could focus exclusively on him. Yep, and so then so that I think that's going to be a problem is is yeah. is having to focus on two guys who can really get you. Because even against Oklahoma State, um, they they weren't full strength along the line, and they have some pretty excellent pass rushers. Uh, and so it's like, hey man, if you just get that second dimension of pass rush, that that makes me pretty nervous. I agree. I also think, and you've watched more Arkansas than I have, so correct me if I'm wrong, please. But when I watched Arkansas's defense, I don't think they tackle very well. I think that's defensible. I don't, I don't think they're exceptionally talented as a unit. I think they have some talent, but I do think that they are uh, more volatile than their offense for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was watching them and they're like, man, like, or even if it's like, okay, well this person like got stopped, but he got two yards in the process. You know what I mean? Like didn't bring him down at the point they were able to kind of fight through. And it just seemed like an endemic thing um, throughout the entire unit. But again, that's my, that's my own limited analysis on a couple games, but um, I don't know that, that I don't, I think they're aggressive and I think they have good instincts, but I don't necessarily think they tackle. Well, I also think, especially against Missouri again, we've, I've said this before. I don't know what a run fit is, but they did not have it that entire game. Um, yeah, yeah. Some 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 things looked off. Um and, and Grant, um, frankly, they're bad at defending the run. Yeah. Uh they're they're um they're 96th overall on EPA rush. Grant, they're allowing a positive EPA per rush, which is not Yikes. good. Uh given how inefficient rushing generally is, that's that is just uh that is just not good. Um I, I was looking at kind of so they are uh if we're looking at defense and we're looking at EPA pass. They are 47th in EPA pass defense at, excuse me, 49th at 0.008, positive 0.008. Um, but if you start looking at decimal places, um, I mean, they, they could easily be in the 60s if you account for the fact that they did have that six, six interception game that was clearly extenuating circumstances. And so I think their, uh, their, their, their offense or their, their pass defense is inflated a little bit, although it is, it is pretty confident. They've got some second-level players, Grant, that I think are um, – are actually pretty talented and should give TCU some trouble. So kind of going, I guess, from the defensive line up one shout out to a man, bumper pool, 
Uh, oh yeah. He's named Bumper Pool, and he's good. He has sixty-two tackles, thirty stops. The linebacker. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say he is uh, by far the worst-rated player on PFF on Arkansas <laughs> defense. He was nominated for All Conference something. Um, I know it's very funny. Like I agree, he's good. It's just it's very weird that that how that works. And and I think I'm learning. This is for the off season, so I'll hit the eject button very quickly on this. But I think I'm learning more about how I feel about PFF grades and saying like what you're telling me is not necessarily indicative of quality so much as it is like a, a broad brush at how dumb you've been this season. Like, I think it's very yeah. plausible. Yeah. That, 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 that there are some disparities between decision-making grades and actual like talent potential kind of grades there as well. Uh, we have you, you, especially have friends at PFF, they have an invaluable service. Uh, I use PFF to confirm my own biases and uh, deny other people's biases. Absolutely. As, as one should. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, I mean, Grant Morgan's the other linebacker, um, and he does have some, some problems troubling with tackling. Um, but, you know, 84.3 coverage grade, which I think is really interesting, that he's been pretty versatile on kind of like that tight end inside threat role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the two guys that really matter for TC's passing game, because let's face it, TC's passing game is one-dimensional, and that dimension is Quentin Johnston. Um, he'll, he'll most likely be matched up on cornerback Montaric Brown, he has four pass breakups and interceptions, 61.1% catch percentage allowed, but only a 70.9 coverage grade. And he's kind of their lead corner. Um, and so I think that'll be the matchup to watch on offense is like, I mean, Arkansas is so bad against the rush, 96th EPA rushing. Um, but so I think TC will try and do exactly what they did against Louisiana Tech against Arkansas and just run the ball and then try and establish that and then, and then throw the pass for whatever that's worth. And so if, if uh, that, that Brown to Johnston connection will kind of be the ceiling on TC's offense, I think, if they can uh, get, a, get a beat there. I agree. Uh, I'm excited to watch um, two guys with – one with the definite TCU connection, one not. Um, Sam Carter, cornerbacks coach uh, for Arkansas. Awesome former TCU corner. Um, five years since he's graduated, he's already a cornerbacks coach in the SEC. He's pretty sick. Uh, and I'm looking forward to see a guy who chose Arkansas over TCU. Parker, Jalen Catalan – took the most snaps of anyone on Arkansas's defense as a redshirt freshman this year. Um, incredible safety out of Mansfield legacy um, up near uh, Fort Worth. Really, really awesome player. And uh, he is going to be a, a someone they have to watch uh, in coverage, uh, especially on deep routes. Yeah, this is a speculation. I don't think he's BJ Catalan's he's not. direct relationship, but there was a running back that played at Houston who was BJ Catalan's from Mansfield, who is BJ Catalan's yeah. cousin, and I think this is the same. That's the same family. Yeah, yeah, they're not brothers, but they are. And that's some. Some. It's the same. It's the same point. family. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Also, to see. Yeah, Catalan's been really, really good. So, 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 just some random stats about pass or Arkansas's pass, and then we can talk about Catalan specifically. So, yeah, forty seventh EPA per pass. They're um, allowing forty six point nine percent success rate in passing situations, which is. 110th in the nation, um, which is uh, very bad. Um, And so even as their defense has been, you know, quote unquote, good against the good against the pass, uh, they're still allowing a a high degree of efficiency there, which should be bode well for, for TCU fans um, over overall. So Catalan has been really good five pass breakups, 80.7 coverage grade, which I think is the best on the team for, for people who have played substantial minutes. Um, 64.3 64.3 catch percentage allowed, but I will say the, the kind of caveat on him, 75 tackles, which means um, he's too involved in the run game. Uh, things yep. are going poorly if your your safety who has that much coverage experience is, is also uh, making that many tackles. Yes, that is not good. Um, before we move to the offense, uh, trip, I, I, and as a transition point to the offense, uh, I'm kind of impressed by how much talent Sam Pittman has acquired on the staff. His defensive coordinator, Parker, is Barry Odom, who was the head coach at Missouri uh, for a few years. Uh, I'm, you know this. I'm not mansplaining to you. I'm telling you this for the benefit of our listeners here. Uh, but Odom, I think, is a really good coach. Um, runs a four-down system uh, on defense. Um, it's going to take a bit for him to get everything working, but I, I'm impressed by that. Pittman is a guy that comes – he's been at Arkansas. He was at Georgia before he moved over. Um has ties to Pittsburgh State, where Gary Patterson um, spent some time in 1988. Pittman was uh, graduated from there in 1986. We were talking about that before the podcast. Pittsburgh State Gorillas, a weird coaching cradle, 
there are a lot of guys that had time at Pittsburgh State, especially under Dennis Franchoni, uh, who was there from 85 to 88. And then on offense, Parker. Well, our I think old my friend, theory, I have a theory about yeah. Pittsburgh, Kansas, yeah. is that um, there's only so many roads that go through middle America. And these guys that are coaching, you know, you just got to, you're going west to east. You just got to, you got to drive through somewhere and you might as well drive through Pittsburgh. So stop and say, hey, are you hiring? Um, we should also point out Pittsburgh State, I think the winningest program in uh, their, their division's history. And then we get to Kendall Bryles. Can I point out one more very bad thing about the Arkansas defense? Yeah, please do. I really don't want to talk about Kendall Bryles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make you because it's fun. Damn it. Arkansas's defense, 48.55 third and fourth down success rate. Uh, Wait, are they, they're allowing that? Allowing 48.55%. Uh, which Yikes. is a hundredth in the nation. So one in two times that you try to extend a drive, they're 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 letting you, um, which is in in non garbage time. And so um, that's pretty rough. That 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 seems to be interesting. Uh, the, the flip side of that is TCU is eighty eighth in the nation, thirty eight point eight percent conversion on offense. And so that is kind of a very bad, very bad situation. We saw against Louisiana Tech a similar matchup where. Uh, TCU and Arkansas, or so TCU and Louisiana Tech, both had weaknesses on third down. It really didn't matter because TCU moved the ball so well on early downs. Stoppable force meets a movable object. Indeed. Uh, okay, is Felipe Franks going to play in this game? Yes, from everything okay. I've heard. Just making sure. Just making sure. Okay. Uh, Arkansas's offense um, really fun to watch. Tell me, uh, tell me how they read out, Parker. Okay, so first things first. You have to separate the art from the artist. We know about Kendall Bryles. We know he made yeah. mistakes. We know he didn't didn't just made mistakes, willfully did some bad things. That's all I have to say about it. Coming I'm a Kanye off, fan. I understand. Yes. Kendall Bryles is an offensive coordinator at Arkansas, and that's the only thing I'm talking about right now. Um, Kendall Bryles runs the veer and shoot to an extent. He also spent a ton of time around Lane Kiffin, and, um, and, and that rubbed off on him. Um, an interesting thing about Kendall Bryles' playbook is that it does not exist. He had his installs stolen at Florida State. Um, there is evidently a racket where people are selling all 22 film that isn't theirs and moving around some stuff. And, and through that, Bryles' stuff got leaked uh, from, from the story that I was told. And he doesn't run a playbook. Now that's not too crazy because like at Baylor, they weren't exactly running a, you know, a really thick playbook. They, you know, a lot of option routes, very, very simple kind of look at space, but browse doesn't have a playbook at all. And so, uh, and so that, that to me is really, really interesting. He has kind of taken the veer and shoot, which is pass to establish the run, basically saying, we're going to do a lot of outside option routes. If you give us one-on-one -on -one coverage, we're taking it hundred percent of the time. But what we're going to do is we're going to do a lot of motion and kind of spread you out. And the second that you commit out of the box, we're going to option to a run. Um, so a lot of pre-snap reads. Browse has spiced that up by uh, adding uh, some more post-snap reads and some RPOs and some tags that are really, really interesting. Uh, I have to say the Arkansas offense is, is, is fun. Um, they're 46th overall in, e in EPA per pass, um, 61st overall in offensive uh, EPA per play. And they're, they're 83rd in EPA per rush, so slightly negative, but they have some really, really talented guys and the running back. Uh, I think Rakeem Boyd opted out for the NFL. Yeah. But um, the, the fun fact here is that running back Traylon Smith um, will be their, their, their main kind of leading carrier. Um, their leading receiver will be Traylon Burks. Burks. Which yeah. is interesting. Two Traylons spelled differently, uh, both, both their leading offensive production. Yeah, and both are really fun. Um, so watching Arkansas's offense, one thing I noticed was how much they used, correct me if I'm using the term right, half-orbit motion, where you'll, you'll be in shotgun, the, the receiver will come, and he'll go behind or in front of the quarterback and the running back, kind of like a jet sweep, but it'll go behind, and then it'll stop, reverse, and go back around uh, as part of a read or, or whatever to, to, to read the defense. Yeah. And I've, and I've heard that called a bunch of different things because it's not just like return motion is like you run across halfway and then run back, but with right. the orbit, it's like you orbit one way or you run in front and orbit the other way. So half yeah. orbit, I think is a great term for that because uh, it makes the most sense to me. Yeah. I think that's, that's the best way I would term it. Um, they did a lot with Burks. Dude, Burks is fast. 
he is an athlete, and they use him in a lot of different ways. Again, I, just from what I noticed, they'll line up in the pistol, have him take a handoff, then have him run the option with the running back, which I love that play design. It's so much fun and, like, really hard to read as a defense. Um, they run the pistol a lot. Uh, one other thing I want to say that I know you have a lot to talk about, I have a play that I love. So they run shotgun. Uh, running back is, uh, say, to the quarterback's left, and they'll run, like, a fake pitch sideways. They'll run that initially to, to get it in the defense's mind and then run it and have the running back come back and get the ball as a counter. With a fake yeah. pitch, then he'll come back and get the ball and go. And that is so hard to defend, especially at yeah. a shotgun. It's a beautiful play. Yeah, a ton of options there and a ton of um, – you know, you talk about you, – you hear people say football is a chess match, and uh, I think that's, that's silly a lot of times. I think this is one of those examples, though, where – the pre-snap alignment matters so much for the Browse offense that um, you're going to see a lot of tit for tat kind of back and forth Patterson, Patterson Bryles moving around, which we've seen before, you know, when, when Baylor and TCU mm-hmm. played. And I think his, uh, Browse's offense is definitely kind of steps it's, it's grown. Um, and so I think, I think it'll be really interesting to kind of see how much that alignment game matters because you're right. You said something really good there. They do build on concepts really well. And so they're going to run that. They're going to run that toss two or three times, and they're going to fake to the counter, um, or they'll just come back and throw a bubble screen to, to the boundary on the opposite of that. Right. And be like, oh yeah, we have numbers, and you already took a step that way, so we're going to take the five yards you gave us. Um, some really nice, just simple RPO games. Uh, some really nice stuff with with running backs out of the backfield. So a very fun offense. Um, I've broken some of that down. If you, you know, obviously a visual medium is a little bit better <laughs> than us just gushing about how cool it is, but. Yeah, so I think some of these concepts are great, but basically you're looking for, you know, they're going to run trips a lot because that gives you kind of numbers and makes the defense play their hand. They're basing out of inside zone, but they run so many run concepts. They're going to take a deep shot every time they get one-on-one coverage on the outside, um, which I don't think will be a huge issue against CCU, so I think they'll try and scheme it up. The one thing that I really think is uh, interesting is how often they do flood. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and run kind of flood concepts, which is not a veer and shoot staple. It's not an old Browse play. Flood kind of is, is taking a bunch of receivers and putting them all in kind of one area of the field to overwhelm a zone defense. There's zone components in the 425. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they uh, attack with, with this flood, knowing that Burks is probably going to get the ball most of the time. Uh, how they kind of position other guys to clear a lane for Burks will be interesting. If I'm not mistaken, Burks is number 10. That's the guy you want to keep your eye on in the offense because he is the most involved and kind of where he goes is usually uh, either a fake that's setting up for something later or it is the, the, where the ball is going. Yeah. Weirdly, I think he wore 16 against Missouri. Interesting. I was confused. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, and I, I think Felipe Frank's a quarterback, um, an experienced guy. It's kind of who you want. I mean, he's not an all world quarterback, but he can read those flood concepts, all that in an offense that is so based around option concepts. I think he's a good guy to have in the backfield. Also very tall. People like to talk about that. He's a tall fella. Um, I can, I'm prepared to make some wild statements about Felipe Franks. Do you not like Felipe? Franks? No, I think he's okay. actually been incredible. Um, oh, okay. He's number one in deep ball accuracy uh, out of anyone in the nation. Um, he, he's really, really accurate, has really good decision-making. He's mobile enough that they can roll him out well and rely on him to make consecutive reads. Um, and so uh, I think the reason I really bring that up is to one say he's, he's one of the better quarterbacks our uh, TCU's played, um, which isn't crazy to say because the Big 12 has been a little bit down this year at quarterback. Mm-hmm. But in terms of kind of a game general, a guy with vision who's going to make these interesting reads, who's going to be able to move enough to make things develop and then make a read, I don't think TC's really seen somebody of that caliber. Uh, and, and so I think that's really interesting. That also underscores how important the pass rush is going to be. You're going to have to make him uncomfortable. If you let him sit back there and you try and rush three and spy him or something, he's going to pick you apart. Um, and so I think, I think that'll be really, really important. The good news there is that I don't think Arkansas's offensive line is very good. Yeah. I don't think they are either. You know, it's funny you mentioned that I was watching a press conference today, uh, my Texans, it was a bad day against the Bengals. Uh, Brandon Allen, a former Arkansas quarterback, uh, picked apart the Houston Texans. And J.J. Uh, Watt was talking afterwards about how frustrating it is when the quarterback gets the ball out quickly so the pass rush can affect them. And then when the pass rush – or when the quarterback doesn't get it out, 
Houston's pass rush was ineffective. And I think that might be an issue against Arkansas if Franks is getting the ball out quickly. So it's going to come down to Mathis and Coleman and those guys taking advantage of some talent advantages over the Arkansas line um, and seeing if they're any good or not. Yeah, so Arkansas, 63.2 pass block grade, 69.0 run block grade, 31 sacks allowed. Their best guy has a 673.1 pro football focus grade. That's Myron Cunningham. Again, those aren't amazing. You know, those are just proxies for quality. They haven't done very well. Um, And so I I do think TCU's pass rush has been gearing up. They are not the worst offensive line that TCU has seen, uh, especially of late. So there will be some battles there, but but I really do think with, with a profound pass rush, TCU could, could disrupt Franks. Um, Cause that's going to be, you know, if you, if, again, you let him sit back there, he's going to take you apart. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we get to, uh, to predictions and kind of final thoughts, do you have any uh, memories of uh, TCU Arkansas when they played, uh, they had the two game series? Yeah. So the first of those games, I was, uh, I was my last year in Montana and I was alone on my couch watching, um, TCU lose to Arkansas after they had tried to lose to what South Dakota state the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing I remember there is, is I always thought this is really dumb of me and shows how out of touch I am. Kenny Hill, when he scored a touchdown, did this thing where he touched his right shoulder and came across oh, to his yeah. left hip. I thought that was a seatbelt. I thought that was like beep, beep, buckle up or something, which is very lame. It turns out it's some kind of um, uh, ancient, cultural thing uh from from some african nation about uh, it's rising king. kings yeah. rising kings yeah. i just yes. looked it up that i was I ever that sounded game? more old stodgy and white than the phrase no. i just said right there <laughs> i i understand listen i felt that way too it was the lamest thing i've ever seen i was covering that game uh for the dallas morning news it was the lamest penalty i've ever seen it was clearly not a throat slash he did not go across his neck but i'm reading uh from our friends at frogs of war uh, the quote from Gary Patterson after the game. I don't even know why he did it. I didn't even know he did that. All I know is he got a penalty. Now I'm even more unhappy. Thanks. So that was cool. Uh, but yeah, it was a double OT game. It was weird. I think there was a missed extra point. Uh, it was a Cavante Turpin show. Yeah, 295 all-purpose yards, including a 64-yard kick return. Man, that was a hell of a game. Uh, and then TC lost in double overtime. Did they win the next year? I think they did. They did. They did. So that one was yeah. in Fort Worth the next year, 2017. They won in in Arkansas, at Arkansas, in a game that was that yep. was um, so breezy and, and memorable that I, I I don't remember. Like, I drank through it. So Yeah, four rushing touchdowns. Um, wow. Yeah, not great. Kenny Hill, 21 of 31 for 166 yards yeah. and a pick. Yeesh. Anyway. Um, okay. Poor guy. Okay. Other thoughts about Arkansas? Hit me. Um, well, shoot. I've been an Arkansas fan forever. So I could talk about how I had a nervous twitch in my eye after the uh, multiple. Uh, they, you know, Arkansas had like a six overtime and a seven overtime and a six overtime mm-hmm. game within a span of like five years. One of them, the, the, even into the next Monday at school, I had a twitch in my eye so bad for being so stressed out about the game as a child that then I had to go to the nurse. Um, they, they're a fun team. I don't think they're, yeah. I don't think they're a good team. And I do think that they're better than their record. Uh, uh, Bill Conley has them at five and five expected record. Um, I think that's probably more fair and they've definitely played um, a tougher schedule than TCU, but I do not think they performed better against that schedule than TCU would have overall. Um, I think that their offense has a deep threat and explosive potential in the pass game that is worrisome until you kind of consider, well, they're really one dimensional. They only have one guy who's really getting the ball a bunch. TCU has a lockdown corner and two excellent safeties, not to mention uh, D winners and like Kendrick Van Zandt and a, a slew of guys who can kind of lock down uh, kind of that, that, that secondary threat. Um, I think on, on defense for, for TCU, Arkansas's deep threat or Arkansas's um, run defense it matches up really really poorly with TCU's run offense and we've shown that clearly TCU is going to try and do everything they can to uh, move the clock and move the ball in chunks to the run game and so I do think that TCU will try and uh, exacerbate that and that will be kind of a, um, a way that they can move the ball as well 
So I'm kind of a weird spot where I say, uh, Arkansas is better than their record, but they're kind of worse than their advanced metrics. And so um, I, I think that they have a lot of promise, but I'm, I'm not super worried about them. I could absolutely see a world where Felipe Franks throws for, you know, four or five touchdowns and TCU can't score and they lose. Like that's, I can see that. And we'll yeah. talk about that with like worst case scenario, but I really do think that this will come down to TCU will be able to get a pass rush against Arkansas's offensive line. Their coverage will be really, really good, which will help the pass rush. And then TCU, um, Arkansas hasn't seen a mobile threat like like Max Duggan. Um, and so, God, that's such a fun sentence to say. Yeah. And so, I mean, it would be great if they like sold out to try and stop Max and got burned uh, in mm-hmm. some intermediate passing or something. But um, I, I really do think that they uh, will struggle to contain Max Duggan. Did you know, Parker, from – uh, and I'm sure this will be on the broadcast or noted on the broadcast from 1959 to 1980 in the Southwest conference, Arkansas beat TCU 22 straight times. Yes. TCU was dark. Um, they were bad. Unbelievably bad. Yes. They were very bad. One of those games. Yeah. Yeah. It was not a, they weren't close either. I should note the closest game was 13 to five. Yuck. Um, so it, it should be noted, TCU was like starting you and 10 of your friends for most of the 70s, yeah. Yes, I played uh, tight end. Um, okay, well, let's do best case, worst case. Uh, I'll let you start. Go worst case. Okay, worst case is um, the offense doesn't click. Um, Arkansas has Barry Odom, who's an excellent defensive coordinator. They've got Sam Carter, who knows about the defense, and so they've uh, and those about Patterson's brain, tendencies. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think the offense doesn't click and Franks gets, um, gets a couple, a couple deep shots, maybe a missed tackle on a shorter route that, that blows up into an explosive play. And, and I really do think this could be something in the realm of, you know, 35, 20, 35, 17 TCU in a really, really annoying game. If the offense, you know, can't, can't run the ball. And, and if, if, if our Arkansas, I mean, they do have that deep, deep threat. So I think that's, mm-hmm. man, I think that's like less than 1% probability, like extreme long tail. I no way in hell that's happening. I don't think, but I do think there that that is plausible. Yeah. I think my worst case scenario does involve Arkansas putting points on the board. So against Georgia, they only scored 10 in the first game of the season. And then against Alabama 52 to three, but that's Alabama. And then every other game, they scored at least 21 points. Yep. Um, th- this is a fun offensive team. Kendall Bryles knows what he's doing. And, yeah, it'll it'll be Arkansas scoring and TCU refusing to change, adapt, and I, I like what you said. Thirty five twenty one is kind of about right. I could maybe see twenty eight thirteen, something like that, Arkansas, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. But there is a world in which that happens. Um, what's yeah, your best case? To be to be fair, thirty five points is ridiculous, and is uh, me channeling a, a dark it- side of myself I haven't channeled in a couple months. So I'm sorry. Yes, I know you're glad football is back, uh, or that TCU football is back, so you can make doom and gloom proclamations about what could possibly happen. Look, man, what am I going to do for the next eight months? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Do a lot more doom and gloom. That's what we have in our schedule. Well, look, man, okay, all right, we're going to go to best-case scenario. I've tweeted some very positive things about the talent at TCU. Uh, there's a lot of it. There is a lot of talent, uh, even if they're not recruiting right now. Um, oh, okay, so okay wait, wait, hold on, hold on. On that note, c- can we do a brief interjection? Are you gonna, if you're going to bring this up, that's fine. Uh, uh, should we source it? What I mean, I don't know if this is sourced, whatever. Okay, per, per Jeremy Clark. I haven't seen anything Arson. official, so I'm sorry. I haven't seen anything either. So, so this is, yeah, sorry. For, okay. Rumblings are Marcel Brooks going to be moving to wide receiver. Yeah. Okay, wait. So can I clarify that too? We're, we're down like multiple rally votes. Um, this is probably on Hornfrog Blitz on the board. I don't know. I don't pay to subscribe to it. Yeah, I, I don't pay I'm for not, the board. So if you're I'm on the board, you know I'm this. not trying to break news or snipe or anything. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This has yeah, been yeah, told to sure. me by by more than one person. No, we're not just like reading Jeremy's stuff on the board and then talking on the podcast. Yes, for um, sure. That's not at all what we're trying to do. Yes, this is news that is broken. Uh, what the hell? <laughs> hey man, he's six two two oh five. He's 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 a good body. If I gave you a line of 0.5 for Marcel Brooks snaps on non-special teams at TCU in 2021, are you taking the under or the over? I'll take the over. Non-special teams? 
Yeah, he, he had he had an over this year. I think he had what six point six six this year. That counts. Okay, get what if I gave you six point five? Oh, at wide receiver. At wide receiver, oh the under. None, zero. Yeah, no, I don't think I. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, this this seems fantastical. <laughs> uh, this seems not suited to his strengths. This seems odd. I could be totally wrong about this because he is a freak athlete. He's 6'2", 205. He could be, you know, a bumbling, stumbling. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's live. So um, I'm just befuddled by this. I will say, uh, you know, like we all saw the Instagram where he was like, F this football takes you nowhere. I'm going home. Yeah. Maybe this is shot in the arm, man. Maybe he's a change of scenery guy. Who knows? I, I don't know. I, yeah. We have a lot to talk about in the offseason. This is dumb. It's just, it's outright dumb. It is. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. It is almost antagonistically dumb. Like daring you to say it's dumb. I don't know. This feels like it's a trap. This feels like a trap. It is geared towards you to make you angry. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, so who knows? Okay. Let's okay. Sorry. I, we had to interject there because and again, not to, not to pip Jeremy. Um, if you're on the board, you know that probably. And, um, we're not trying to steal his stuff, but that is hilarious. Yeah. Um, if this okay. Is, let's, um, let's, yeah. If this was like a professional podcast, I'd edit this and put this somewhere else, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, okay. Let's get back on track. Best case scenario. Oh, best case scenario. Grinding halt on the defense. No fly zone. Franks is uncomfortable. Arkansas can't score. Uh, give me 31 6 TCU. Eh, yeah, 27 6. 27 6. I'm reasonable. Yeah, that's a lot of points. Um, Arkansas will give up points. They have in the past. They will continue to do so. Yes. I think TCU can score on this team. I, I shoot, give me 35, man. Give me 35 13 TCU. Best case 35. Scenario. I know. It's a lot of points. Interesting. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Um, Who's your, who's your MVP before we go to actual predictions? Oh, uh, Max. Who's your non-Max MVP? (laughs) Okay. Um, I'll uh, I'll go offensive. Uh, I'll say Zach Evans. I need to give him the ball a lot. I'm actually going to go the other direction. I think Darwin Barlow's due for one. Good. I, I hope he is. It would be great. It would be a wealth of riches for Darlin Barlow, Barlow to have, you know, 200 yards tomorrow. Yes. You'd love every minute of every minute of look, man, at this point, just win, whatever. Nobody's listening to me anyway. Just win baby. <sighs> Gosh. Uh, uh, okay. What is your score prediction? I think we're uh, going to beat in the middle a little bit. 35 points is I believe doable, but probably not a reality. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of a uh, sloppy, certainly not the right word, but I think it's going to be, a bowl game, people are like, nothing is happening for long stretches of this game, but give me 24 to uh, 17 TCU. Interesting. Interesting. Why? Uh, so my model has it 27 17. Oh, there you go. I didn't even look. So um, that's that's fun. I think I believe in that. I think I believe 27 17 TCU. That's TCU covering. I've seen them anywhere from minus 5.5 to, to minus 7. Um, so that, that I think is fun. Um, I think that's probably close to reality and what should happen. Then you could start to say like, okay, if, if, it, if it's off of that, what could you expect to happen? And that's kind of where your best case, worst case scenario comes in is like, okay, I think talent wise, they're 27, 17. If it's 27, 24, uh, Arkansas got lucky with a stupid big play. Like that's, yep. that's kind of your, yep. your barometer there that I think is really, really nice. So that's um, me just talking lovingly at my numbers and saying, I, I appreciate you. And, you do good things for me, but um, yeah, I, I think I like that. I think that's, that's, that's pretty reasonable. What, what did you get your numbers for Christmas this year? Uh, I, I changed the font uh, a little bit. <laughs> I, I changed some sizes and at, right at the top, I created a space where it says the bowl, the name of the bowl game. So. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Okay. Well, uh, enjoy the bowl game, everybody. Uh, enjoy your new year's Eve. Be safe. Drink some champagne. All that could. Do you have any fun New Year's Eve traditions? Y'all ever do anything? No, we're lame about we're lame about New Year's. We went uh, the last time we did New Year's and decided we needed to be done was we went to um, gosh, Bearded Lady in Fort Worth, the old Bearded. Oh, I love lady. Bearded Lady. Yeah, and we went with some friends, and they got kind of rowdy, and I got kind of sleepy, 
and they decided they were going to dance with the bearded lady. And I was like, man, this isn't happening. So I walked over to a waitress and handed her a 20 and said, tell us to go home, please. And so the waitress went and got my drunk dancing friends and escorted them out to the, to the door and we all went home. So uh, I was like, eh, I'm probably done with New Year's after this. If I'm this guy, I'm probably done. Yeah. Bearded lady, uh, the, the creation of Purple Theory. Yes, that's the lady. new that's the new bearded lady. But okay, yes, it, it okay. is sentimental in our hearts. Uh, the old bearded yes. lady was over on Magnolia in this little this little treehouse kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, we do love the bearded lady and uh, hope hope to have uh, beers it's, there someday soon. It's like Independence Hall. Yeah, I, uh, I I I I try to alternate years. It's like, oh, I'll go out and party one year, and the next year is like, I'm gonna do this at home and not talk to anybody and order pizza and go to bed by eleven. Yeah. Um, but anyway, should be good. We'll have fireworks this year, at least at my family's ranch. Nice. Um, yeah, well, it'll be good. Uh, if y'all watch the game, we'll be we'll be tweeting. I considered going, but I'm probably not. Um, it is in Houston. I live yeah. close to Houston. I'm I'm still debating it. Um, if somebody that is a friend of the pod is going, I, I'm I'm thinking about buying a ticket. Reach out to me on Twitter because I can be swayed. Um, I'm not asking yeah, for a I'm ticket. Saying. I have access to one. Not a big deal. But if you're going, be <laughs> don't drop that, that humble brag. Good Lord. Well, it's fine. I, I would just, I would be more interested in going if I, you know, knew, somebody. knew someone that was going. Yeah. So. But well, we'll, we'll talk off there. Um, yeah. Enjoy the games. We'll be tweeting anyway. Um, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. You're at stats of war. I'm at Grant McGalliard. Spell the way it sounds. Uh, we got more content coming on the newsletter this week. Uh, I'll have a Arkansas preview with some, some film. I'm sure Parker has something coming down the pipe, or maybe not because he's home and partying with his friends. Uh, yeah, other than that, go Frogs, man. Last game of the season. Get pumped up. I'm excited. Last game of the season.